Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is seven minutes after nine o'clock. Jim Babka is going to be with us. Bootleggers and Baptists, that's uh, 935. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, it, and this is in the final hour of the program at 11 o'clock uh, with Mike Murphy, uh, the uh, candidates for a chief of police were uh, on display and uh, Mike Murphy was there and it, it I'm just telling you based on everything I've read everything I've heard we've got the uh, we've got we've got the right person right here she works uh, with Columbia police and has for years uh, there just is no reason uh, to go outside uh, outside the police department I, I just uh, I, I'm convinced Jill Schlutie is perfect for the job. Probably hurt her opportunities now that I've said that out loud, but it's it's the truth. Anyway, we'll get to that in the final hour. Dave Rowland as well, uh, but we kick the program off as we always do with uh, Kevin Jackson, and I, I need a little help from Kevin to translate. Uh, Kevin, good morning. The, the KevinJacksonNetwork.com. How are you? Doing good. Good to talk to you, man. All right. Uh, I need you to help. Uh, President Biden uh, came out in his uh, 1974 leisure suit and had a press conference uh, on Air Force One. And I'm not sure I quite understood him, but I thought maybe you could help because we always go to you on on, uh, Thursdays when we have a translation problem. Are are you ready? Okay. here, Here we go. talking about i i think the reason why you can't understand it is that he was speaking in mandarin and he was trying to figure <laughs> out where the money was going and which of his llc's <laughs> you should see uh, i played the audio but the video is really telling <clears throat> because he has this deer in the headlights look <laughs> shocker <laughs> he starts to talk and and then it kinda, wait a minute gary it's a deer in the headlights look with botox is that what it is? Maybe that's right. why. And then what's yeah. he, what the hell is he wearing? The President <laughs> of the United States just comes from this uh, conference. Uh, and <laughs> That seersucker outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember seeing, but let me ask Brian, because he's older than all of us. Brian, if, <laughs> do you remember seeing Ronald Reagan dressed like that? I mean, uh, no, I can't say that I did. He even looked dapper in the hospital, uh-huh. frankly. Uh, yeah, but, but, you know it's funny. Here's a word, what 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 cracks me up. So the Republicans have a problem because we have a rhino element in the party that doesn't recognize that the MAGA element of the party is the bigger piece and is running the country, and rightfully so. 
because they care about the people. And you have Democrats who have a, a, a leader that they've cheated into office who has absolutely devastated not only America, but the world. He's corrupt. He's incompetent. He's incoherent. And he's the bona fide leader of their party, is, I mean, at least on paper. And terrifyingly, and he's the in the White House. What's that? <laughs> and terrifyingly, he's in the White House. Yeah, but he, but my point is, they, they say, oh, look at you guys, you're in disarray, you can't even elect the speaker. Well, we can't elect the speaker because we're separated between, you know, the unipart, the, the uniparty faction of, of the Republican Party and the people who really want to represent Republic I, I can, which is what I call Republicans. And so the Democrats, who are in total disarray, they've got their anti-Semitic. They hate black people. They hate women. I mean, I could give you everything, everything that they claim that they espouse to love, they hate. And we're the ones with the problem. And I, I tell audiences this all the time. When you really stop for a second and you assess where we are, and yes, we have a problem in our party. But I'll tell you this. The rhinos are redeemable. They, we can get the rhinos in check. We did it with Kevin McCarthy. And it, when he's not in check, he's out. And we, and we can continue to make improvements. I mean, there was a, you, you guys saw that Democrat uh, billionaire, uh, Chamath or whatever, who said, I screwed up. You know, I voted for Hillary. I'd now vote for Trump. There are millions of those people out there, and they showed themselves in 2020 during the big cheat. And now the Democrats who have a, a guy who, look at any poll you want, Joe Biden's not electable. And they have nobody to follow suit because none of their people, including Gavin Newsom, is electable. Their vice president is a joke. And so, but we're the ones with the problem. We're, yeah. we're the ones supposedly suffering. And I, I, it cracks me up that, that there are people out there who want to believe that or propagate that particular lie. Does it look to you as though Jim Jordan and uh, with the congressman from Florida that, that – uh, Got rid of the Byron, Byron Donalds? No, no, no. Um, uh, uh, Brian is Gates. Uh, Gates, yeah, Matt Gates. Does it look to you as though they're one of or two of a handful of Republicans who at least tried to stand on principle? Yeah, they because are. they're being vilified uh, for dumping the speaker, and I think no, they they were. They, they were 100% right to do what they did, and the problem is we don't have people that stand on principle. And, you know, look, one of my criticisms, we just had a big event down here. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it last week. We had a big event, the Vision Summit, on wokeism. And there should have been people, we, we, they should have been standing room only. And it was unbelievably good. Gary, I swear, the people that we had at this thing were thought leaders of, better than the Jordan Petersons of the world. And I'm not exaggerating this. There were some people there that just blew my mind. Charles Love, who runs it for me, found it. Found these people. And I brought in Michael Bowen, who's an AI guy. And, I mean, he's an award-winning blogger. I mean, just people you've never heard of but that are amazing. And it was so sparsely attended, it was practically embarrassing. And people say, Kevin, we want black conservatism. We need this. We need that. So Melissa and I spend $50,000, put on this event, lose money on it, and everybody there said, I've never seen anything like it. 
This is the best thing. Why? And, and I, that, but that's a conservative movement. It's all talk. They don't want people that stand on principle. I gave up a job at Fox. That six-figure job. Why did I do it? On principle. Because I'm not going to take it back. Uh, I just left an opportunity. I gave back $1.25 million of stock because I got tired of what the management team was doing because it was based on principle. I wasn't going to move forward with it. it but but in, in, even though I stand on that, what I find is that people abandon it. They like it, but they don't support it. And that's where we are in the Republican Party. They like what Matt Gates is standing on, but they don't support it. Because if they did... The lesson would go out to all of the Republicans. You better toe the party line. Get a guy principal in there. And, oh, by the way, Democrats, you better be doing the same thing. Now, luckily for us, whether you like this guy or not, Donald Trump stands on principle. He says, I'm going to make this happen. I'm gonna, let me ask you this, Gary. Do you believe for one second we would be talking about the Middle East and this, this issue between Hamas and Israel if Donald Trump were president? Do you think I, we'd be in a Ukraine war? I don't know for sure about the Middle East, and I don't know for sure about Ukraine. But okay, I know well, that. Uh, what I do know is that Biden wasn't a help. Well, Whether Donald Trump could have made a difference or not, I'm not convinced one way or the other. Well, here's what I can tell you. Joe Biden invited Putin into Ukraine. There wasn't a war that was started during Trump's presidency. So that's the proof, number one. And number two, Israel and Saudis were talking, and there was essentially the closest thing to peace in the Middle East that we had in decades under Trump. Now, of course, we can't predict what would have happened, but what we do know is that Hamas didn't attack Israel while Trump was president, and Russia didn't invade Ukraine. So I would venture to tell you we were much safer in the world under Trump than we are under Joe Biden. So all of this is going to play out in the 2024 election, and it's playing out right now in the polls, and it's playing out in everything else. And by the way, this isn't an advertisement for Trump. It's just the facts. And what we've got to start looking at is here's a guy that stood on principle. Move your uh, the, the uh, embassy back to Jerusalem. Let's start negotiating peace. Let's start looking at this world a little bit differently. Let's get America out of wars. I saw a thing that said this, uh, Salon. It read this. Donald Trump, even though there were no wars during Trump, he still may be the most war-mongering president. Now, how do you write a, a, a title like that? You know, when a guy is, is telling you point blank, I want America out of these ad hoc wars, proxy wars that we have nothing to do with. And we're going to fight. We have a reason to fight. Bring our guys home. And they still call the guy a warmonger. Yeah, I this is. I, I agree with all that, but but arguing that it would not have happened under Donald Trump uh, because it didn't happen the first four years is, is giving me a correlation, not causation. I do, however, believe that Biden has no clue what the hell he's doing. Uh, at least Trump was decisive and you knew where he was going. I'm up against the clock. Uh, Kevin Jackson and I, surprisingly, uh, we agree again about Jim Jordan. And Matt Gates, Brian, you write Ripley. We'll play the commercials, <laughs> then we'll come back and talk yes, to sir. Kevin. Kevin Jackson, the Kevin Jackson Network, and then Jim Babka coming up at uh, nine thirty-five. Bootleggers and Baptists on the Gary Nolan Show. Twenty-two minutes after nine o'clock, Kevin Jackson is with us. The Kevin Jackson Network dot com. By the way, Brian, did you see that uh, Trump insurgency riot that they had, where they 
uh, were uh, taken over that federal office building in, in D.C. The the, uh, the Trump pe- yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I I didn't see that. Uh, that I don't believe that was a Trump insurgency, was it? Well, it was an insurgency, and it's usually blamed. Uh, I would, I thought it was. Yeah, but this one is different. Why? Why, why well, is they this not trying to overthrow the government? You see, that it was a peaceful protest. You guys completely missed this story. That group had already beaten up a guy named Jesse Smollett, and they were all wearing MAGA hats. <laughs> <laughs> we did miss that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, get the whole story before you come on here half cocked. I mean, oh. you got to know what's going on. Well, I got to tell you that I, I was really impressed with Biden yesterday going to his birthplace, Israel. Yeah, and uh, that was just amazing. <laughs> I see now he's laughing at you. He doesn't believe you. He doesn't. Oh, you know what? I, I was I thought Brian was going to say he was impressed because he didn't stumble going up the step. No, 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 no. no. He, he he was born in Israel. Did you know that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I had no idea, but oh, I'm, well, here, I'm not here, surprised. Here, let's just demonstrate so he gets it clean. The state of Israel was born to be a safe place for the Jewish people of the world. That's why I was born. See? So, uh, <laughs> that means technically he can't be president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> technically, he shouldn't be president of the United States because he got cheated in. But that that's a whole other technicality. Look, it's an embarrassment to watch these guys, and as I said earlier before the break, the idea that the Republicans are in disarray, it cracks me up every time we have this discussion that the left is always in disarray. They're chaos agents. And look at, I mean, there's not a movement afoot where these people aren't in disarray. Black folks are upset with the left because they're not getting anything. The LGBT, even though Biden caters to them, and, and I, what I said to Israel is, if you want to get more money or Ukraine want to get more money out of Joe Biden, just let everybody be transsexuals or something because he seems to be fixated on transsexuals. But they've got a war against women, war against blacks, war against Hispanics. Uh, you name it. There's nothing that they are that's not in complete chaos for them. And they act as if they're in control. If they can't cheat in elections, they can't even win an election inside of, of a big city. Look at Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. This guy sounds more like a Republican than he does a Democrat. Most of these, these mayors are starting to get it and say, you know what, this crime rate is through the roof. I got I to gotta really start addressing stuff. So, you know, I keep coming back to we as conservatives, however you whether you're libertarian, you know, Republican, whatever. If you're not voting for a Democrat, you got to be asking yourself, how do these people win? How is it that we allow them to stay in power? We are in the best possible position we could be in politically with an absolutely certifiable moron running the presidency, running that party, and demonstrating what leftism is about internationally and domestically. And everything is a train wreck. The economy is a train wreck. How, I think we just, interest rates just hit 8% for houses. Uh, they, they said it hadn't seen that number in decades. And, and quite frankly, it's actually higher than that when, you, when it's adjusted for the way they calculated inflation before. So we, we have an opportunity to take advantage of this, and people still seem to be mums the word. Open up. And this anti-Semitism that's going on all around the country, Palestinian pro-marches, after Israel has been brutalized by Hamas, and then they're, oh, this hospital got bombed and Israel did it. They're lucky Israel hasn't absolutely just nuked Gaza. 
It's, you know, we really need to wash our hands of this. We, we just don't belong there. I agree. Um, and, it, and it gets worse and worse. Uh, we end up siding with despots against other despots. and it, Well, I don't agree with that. I don't think Israel is a bunch of despots. I think no, Israel but we have ended up, what I said is we have, we have sided with despots against despots. Did we not side with Saddam Hussein at one point? Uh, well, if you're talking about expanding beyond our conversation, yes. I yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying region. that our, our whole foreign policy is askew. It has been for decades. We cause more problems for the American people and the world the more involved in it we are. I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, you know, the, our Iran's ch- ch- uh, chanting death to America because we keep interfering in things that are. Look, here's the thing. We give money to all these countries, and so th- there's no country. I mean, I, Iran can complain, but we give it to Egypt, Palestine. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, um, oh, geez, I had a brain fart here. Uh, anyway, we give them to all these different countries. So, in giving this money away, as they like to say, it's fungible. You spend it on whatever you want. But if we're giving you money and we're staying out of your business, I don't think you're going to be chanting death to America. But because we do go over there and we interfere, and we interfere with people that don't know what they're doing. It's one thing to have clandestine agencies and trying to understand the state of the world through the State Department and working with the CIA. But when you're doing regime change and things that, quite frankly, are beyond what you really should be involved in, then you create this animosity. And I agree. Get out of there. You can support them and say, look, we're going to fund you to do to hopefully help you build your nation and, and get things going and, and, and respect our interests and respect us when we do come to you for stuff. But we're going to stay out of your wars. And I think we'd be a much people would respect. I mean, not that we're, we're, there's a lack of respect for America, there, but I think there is a lack of respect for the, the government of America and not necessarily the people. You know, inch by inch, you're starting to sound libertarian. (laughs) Look, we've had this discussion, Gary Nolan. The average Republican is 99, 98% libertarian. And there's a small degree disagreement on what that difference is. And I I just don't think that, I think most people are libertarian in their thought process. And, and even if they have a dogmatic view of something that, that's Republican or Democrat, when you really break it down, they just want to be left alone and people to leave, you know, leave each other alone. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> Good. I'm going to let you go. Uh, but yeah, whenever he's in town, we, we play building and low, and that's where he gets out of the building and leaves me alone. Uh, Kevin Jackson, the Kevin Jackson Network, syndicated radio show. Find out what he's up to at thekevinjacksonnetwork.com. Kev, thanks. Take care, buddy. Glad to have you on. Jim Pabka is going to be with us uh, in just a few minutes at uh, 35 minutes uh, after 9 o'clock. Bootleggers and Baptists. What is that about? It's uh, it's his latest Grace Arkey. And uh, we'll find out because we'll have him on with us. Also, a horrifying story about an 18-year-old who's going to jail for something he should not be going to jail for. Coming up on The Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 9.36. Glad to have you with us on a Think Tank Thursday. And uh, Jim Babka, former nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and a friend of mine is is on, uh, he's got uh, Grace Arkey, which is on a bazillion different platforms. Uh, but you can look up Grace Arkey or Jim Babka, B-A-B-K-A, uh, to get uh, links to uh, his latest work, including one called Bootleggers and Baptists. And Jim, welcome to the program. And I know you and I had a conversation about uh, Baptist, Bootleggers and Baptists. But I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into that. We'll we'll get to it a little later in the segment, if you don't mind. I, I don't mind. You're, you're, it's your show. Uh, I do this to you uh, <laughs> all no, the time. I, I appreciate the fact that in my contract, my pay doubles when we do this. So yes, you get two times it. zero. What it's is two times zero, Brian? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, there, there is a book out. Uh, look, nobody uh, in their right mind... And I mean this, it literally, in their right mind, is in favor of pedophilia. Nobody is. Uh, if you are, you've got a mental problem. You're not in your right mind. But I was reading this piece uh, at Reason Magazine, and I've, for years, thought we've got some really screwy federal laws and state laws dealing with minors being intimate. So there's the story about this guy. His name is Henry. He's 18 years old, and he's on a dating site for people who are 18 years old and older. He meets a girl, and, uh, you know, at the time, uh, he's going to a community college. Uh, just an ordinary Joe meets a girl on a dating app. They uh, get intimate. Turns out she's not 18. She's only 16. Parents find out. They call the police. And uh, he gets uh, expelled from college. Uh, he appealed uh, and, and, and he was allowed to graduate. Uh, being on the registry, however, the sex offender registry, made it nearly impossible to find work. He um, it made a, a plea deal. And, and it kept him out of jail. Probation uh, authorities stipulated that he had uh, to post signs on each entrance of the house that he was living in, his parents' house, that said no person under 17 allowed on this property. So even his cousins couldn't visit. He finally found a job because it was really difficult with that on his, uh, uh, on his record. He gave his probation officer his uh, office uh, address, and he was told by his probation officer, that's, that's too close to a school. And uh, registries have location requirements that forbid registrants from living or working near a place where kids might congregate, a school, daycare, park, that sort of thing. He begged his probation officer to let him keep his, uh, his job, and the officer said he could continue working until a judge ruled on his request. And he went to court. He was told that he was in violation of his probation. The judge said he should have quit immediately upon learning from uh, probation that the office was too close to a school. Henry explained that uh, he didn't quit because of the pending appeal. 
as he'd been out of work for months. Additionally, um, it, it, it was a term of his probation that he be employed. At this point, he had only three years left on his probation. But due to his infraction, the judge issued a ruling uh, sentencing Henry to six years in state prison. Uh, Henry says the only good thing about all this is that when he goes to, went to prison, his grandmother could take down the signs. Now, nobody is in favor of pedophilia. I'm not recommending that anybody go out and have sex with 16-year-olds or younger. Or just The problem is, I, I think we're dealing with this in a really horrible way. Uh, and, and Jim, I'm just curious, can you think of a, a way that this should be handled? Is it the job of the government? Is it the job of the federal government, um, state government? What do you, what, right, oh. This is a really difficult case because I, I want people to understand, and I know Jim does not favor this either, uh, pedophilia. But Thank you. Yes, I do not. Yeah, but you get a 16-year-old girl on a dating site for 18-year-olds. And the guy gets thrown in the hooskow? I mean, it's it, it was so a... You're referencing one story from a book that, as I understand it, has a hundred of them. Yes, the book and is called From Rage to Reason, Why We Need Sex Crime Laws Based on Facts, Not Fear. Yeah, and so the sex registry has become kind of an all-inclusive catch-all. I mean, I'm, you know, we've heard stories in the past that people who have been picked up for... Uh, public urination, they go to the side of a building and they get caught and they end up, you know, the plea deal requires them to be on the sex offender registry. And uh, clearly, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of things that this is being used for. You know, you give, you know, governments, and this include judges, uh, an inch of power and they take 10,000 miles. And so it's, it's, this is frequently the case. They found something that kind of works for some situations and applied it to lots of others. So one, I'm just going to, you know, just off the top of my head, because I doubt we could get people to agree that we should probably end this practice altogether. If we just said there has to be multiple offenses, if we just set the number at like three, or even if we have to compromise two different human beings that were victimized, or if we just said that it has to be someone who's under the age of 12, period, and this is the only people we're going to put on this list, like if we did stuff like that, then we would probably eliminate, I, I don't know, I didn't read the book, but probably all 100 of those stories. You know, the other thing that bothers me is this, um, you can't, uh, you've got to have, uh, uh, people have to be aware that you're living in this house. And it's it, it punishes the neighbors. Um, I always think, what happens if, a pedophile moves in next door, next door. Next door to you. When yeah. I'm trying to sell my house. Exactly. And everybody exactly. who wants to buy the house goes, well, I don't want to live next to that. I'll buy it if you give me the house, but otherwise right. I'm not paying. So I'm the one that gets punished. You know, if you really have a sex offender, well, I mean. All the other members of that household, like, you know, it, it, you, I know you were trying to shorten the story for, for benefit, but I mean, the, 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 he moved, he couldn't afford to keep his own place with the things that were happening to him. So he moved in with his parents. And then his parents were also too close to the school, so they had to adjust, and they had to leave there, or there was a problem with the neighbors. I can't remember. It was probably the problem with the neighbors, if I remember correctly. And then he had to move in with his grandmother. Yeah. And, and so now his grandmother cannot have over her other grandkids to her house. 
Yeah. So this this is this is very much communal punishment. It's very much a scarlet letter. We're looking to put the mark of Cain on people. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it, and it sticks with them. This is the kind of thing that's going to stick with you. It's just, in some cases, for the rest of their lives. Now, his, his was seven years. Uh, you know, if you're a sex offender and you're that dangerous to the rest of the public, why would there even be a temporary term? I mean, clearly this is being used as, a, as cruel and unusual punishment. If you are truly a sex offender, uh, you need to be locked up until you're not. I would agree with that. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, what, what, do we want to pay, should the taxpayer foot, foot the bill for someone uh, all the time? I mean, if they're dangerous and they're out predat- doing an occasion predatory action, yeah. But if they're able to stay out of trouble, maybe this is the, a better solution? I don't know. The question we have in front of us is whether or not this should be used as a catch-all for any type of offense that is related to indecency, uh, all these edge, marginal and edge cases that it ends up getting applied to were real people and groups of real people. The people that are attached to them personally, whether it be their family or their neighbors, are punished. And I would, I agree with you that this is this is sad. This is not good. I, you know, he couldn't. He, he was literally had to have a job for the purposes of his probation. He gets the job. He's excited about the job. But now he's not allowed to have the job because they were located too close to a school. Yeah. So and he, then he, he gets punished. Uh, I mean, it's just, there was no way this guy was going to win. No, no, no. And then this is the, so it puts him in, in this impossible situation. By the way, if you say something can't be near a school, uh, there's schools all over the place. I mean, they are like all over the place. And if you live in an urban area at all, um, <laughs> they're right next door. I mean, practically they're everywhere. There's schools everywhere. Yeah. I, I think that we have, uh, a, a pretty abusive system that doesn't accurately de- protect us from actual pedophiles. Yeah, there's no, there's the recidivism rates on uh, the sex crimes covered by these laws is actually low uh, compared to a whole bunch of other crimes. So it's not, uh, it's not an issue. And there's, there's no evidence that this actually reduces this level of crime. So, uh, you know, if so, you're going to throw everything in there, you know, if you're going to throw 16-year-olds having sex with 18-year-olds, which is probably something that's been happening since the beginning of time, and it's probably happening even right now as we speak, <laughs> then... Yeah, yeah, where do you go? I, I don't know. But it, it we truly, this is a... Uh, these are poorly written laws uh, that are uh, ensnaring uh, normal, decent people in... Uh, some pretty awful uh, positions. This guy didn't stand a chance. He was never going to win. He was never going to be able to get far enough away from a school or a park or whatever. Yep. Uh, never be able to live in peace. And then never be able to have a job. And then because he doesn't have a job, he I mean, he, there was no way he was going to escape this. All right. We're up against the clock. And when we come back, we are going to cover Grace Arkey, Bootleggers and Baptists with Jim Babka. On the Gary Nolan Show, Think Tank Thursday, Zimmer Radio Network. It's 9.51. Uh, There is a picture of the mayor of the city of Columbia uh, that is circulating where she's wearing a T-shirt that uh, says, I'm the effing mayor. Only it doesn't say effing, it says the word. And you know what, Brian? I'm looking at her, and and, do you remember that FBI TV series, the BAU? Uh, And they had the computer nerd... The girl that uh, always had like weird colored hair. Oh yes, yep. That's who. The, that's who she reminds me of. 
That's true, yeah. Yeah, they, and they ought to refer to her as the effing mayor whenever they see her. Hey, there's... <laughs> All right, Jim Babka is with us. And uh, Grace Arkey is on platforms everywhere. You can either look up Grace Arkey or you could just look up Jim Babka. His latest one, Bootleggers and Baptists. What is that about? Are you not going to make fun of Baptists, are you? Well, maybe a teeny tiny bit. Oh, okay. Just a bit. <laughs> Baptists Baptist, uh, enjoy jokes about them, by the way. You know, uh, uh, they, they have a sense of humor. I was one at one time. <clears throat> um, so... Uh, the concept, Bootleggers and Baptists, uh, was made by a guy named Bruce Yandel. It is a economics concept. Economics is how is the, a look at human incentives, right? Why do people do the things they do and take the actions they take? We look closely at an individual or a group's incentives. And public choice theory is a school of thought within economics that has the novel belief that, that even people who are in government or in like politics, bureaucracy, the media, are also human beings. They're just like the rest of us. They get up and put their pants on the same way and do everything. They have incentives as well. Just because they are not working for a private capitalist interest doesn't mean suddenly that they lose all interests. They have their own set of incentives to which they are responding. Bootleggers and Baptists deals with one of these incentive structures where unlikely uh, bedfellows get together in the bed of politics. And in this case, it's the bootleggers and the Baptists. And they are archetypes. So they, 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 they are based on the story that uh, if we have, a, uh, we have Sunday blue laws, you can't, you can't drink, on, you know, purchase alcohol on Sundays from a legal store. The bootlegger benefits, obviously, because now you have to go to him if you want to purchase alcohol. Maybe you can set up a little speakeasy, or they can sell you something from behind the counter for cash illegally. Uh, maybe they can, you know, any type of bootlegging can start to, to be there during a phase of prohibition, which happens to be one day a week. Baptists, of course, get uh, want such, a Baptist would want such laws because, you know, this is the Lord's Day, and how dare we, uh, we you know, spoil that day by, you know, these vices and interests, we should all take a day off from such things. But what the, their archetypes, so they represent something, and that the one side is the moralist side, and the other side is the, uh, the side that's benefiting profitably. And so we cover several examples in this episode of where this actually happens, because it has real huge implications in cases that, where you see cronyism at work in government. Uh, the cronies are the, are the bootleggers, obviously, and then they usually marry themselves to Baptists. So the, the, one, the biggest current example of this and the one that your audience will appreciate the most happens in the issue of environment. Uh, there are bootleggers. Al Gore happens to be one of them, by the way, who are heavily invested in an infrastructure that cannot sustain itself without state involvement. They're building technologies for the future uh, that are allegedly going to make our environment better and cleaner, get rid of greenhouse gas emissions. Most of these things are boondoggles uh, that cannot survive on their own at present, so they need state assistance to do it, and they rely on a whole bunch of people that we are going to call the Baptists in this case. These are the moralists who want the envir this environmental change, and so they back the, these things. There's lots of examples for this. I explain why. Uh, I, one of the things I reveal in this episode that doesn't get covered, uh, to my knowledge, anywhere else is the ratio between these two things and why there is so many more Baptists involved in every one of these things than there are bootleggers. 
and uh, we also apply it to conspiracy theory, how to judge whether or not a conspiracy theory might be valid. It is a tool in that kit uh, as well. Conspiracy theories? You can, yeah. uh, so you can expose conspiracy theories? Yeah, well, I just did, right? So, I mean, most people think of Al Gore as this guy that just cares about the environment, right? He made a movie about it, for God's sake. But do they know what his investment portfolio is? Do they understand how wealthy he's become and who, where he's called him to speak and how he's made his living since, since leaving uh, government? Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, uh, he, he signed up with the bootleggers. He's on the bootlegger team. And All right, so that, so that doesn't uh, cover, you know, 9-11 conspiracy theories or the Kennedy assassination or anything else. Well, it's it just might. It might. And I'm not saying, I'm, you know, it, <laughs> we're not making any specific commentary on any of those situations there. But you might be able to use that as a tool because one of the things that you have to figure out is what are the incentives of the actors involved and how will they get something accomplished so there's a host of things that are even labeled conspiracy theories. I'll give you an example since you're looking for one that's more salacious. Apparently, uh, we just had one involving we just had one involving a certain lab in a certain city in China. Wuhan. Okay, that turned out entirely. And I, you know, earlier this year, I did a broadcast before, while this was still emerging for a lot of people, and there's still people pretending that it's an open question. Uh, suggesting that there was a group called the Spillover Gang. There was a tiny, tiny cabal of people who conspired in the dark in early 2020 before most of us even understood what was coming or happening because there was a full panic. And now Rand Paul is saying, we have evidence that should put Fauci in prison, uh, that he was engaged in an active cover-up. And I'm telling you, the number of people here is very small. That's the conspiracy that we're looking at. And they were able to propagate because a lot of Baptists wanted that conspiracy to be true. And it became a political football. And to this day, we have people who have too much pride to admit that that's what happened. It's open and shut at this point. But it's still treated like it's a conspiracy theory to suggest it out loud. So there's your salacious one, since you needed one. I appreciate that. That, that works wonders for uh, listenership. Jim Babka, Grace Arkey, uh, you... Uh Probably are on uh, just about every platform out there. Um, people Most just need of them. Most they, of them. Yeah, you just get your app out. You can find it on your podcast platform, YouTube, and we are now on Rumble as well. We went on Rumble. And uh, for the uh, sake of your own health, if you don't want to, you you could just play the audio and not look at his face, um, and and still that's get. What, that's what all those podcasts are for. Yeah, and, yeah, podcasting cool. Yep. St still get all the benefit of his wisdom. Jim, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. Always glad to have you on, Jim Babka. <laughs> All right. Uh, a lot of Republicans and Libertarians are telling me RFK is an alternative that they would vote for because he was anti-vax. I'm here to tell you this guy is not. And I will give you prima facie evidence why you... Somebody this is The Gary Nolan Show.